them do one move at a time. The U.S. Chess Podcast that explores people and organizations who are advancing our educational mission to empower people, enrich lives, and enhance communities through chess. Our goal is to give you ideas and methods you can use in your own community to help you build chess in your area one move at a time. Make sure to listen to our family of U.S. Chess Podcasts, which include cover stories with Chess Life on the first Tuesday of each month, in which Chess Life editor John Hartman goes more in-depth with each month's cover story, Ladies' Night, which drops on the third Tuesday of each month, and that is hosted by our Women's Program Director, Jennifer Shahadi, and on the fourth Tuesday of each month, Chess Underground, hosted by our Assistant Director of National Events, Pete Karyanis, in which he examines the game's eccentricities, peculiarities, and theoretical novelties. All can be found at the podcast link on Chess Life Online at uschess.org, or by subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Now, let's welcome our guest to this month's podcast. Welcome to the October edition of One Move at a Time. Our guest today is Jeff Isaac, the Development Director for U.S. Chess. Jeff has been with U.S. Chess since October 2018, building our development department from the ground up. He has been attracted to chess for most of his life because of, as he puts it, the endless possibilities. He came to us after working as a development professional in healthcare and higher education. Outside of work, Jeff likes working on house remodeling projects with his wife and spending time with his two young children, particularly playing soccer with his son and painting and drawing with his daughter. He also enjoys history, acoustic guitar, mountain climbing, baseball, and complicated mechanical wristwatches. Of course, that last item is definitely appropriate for a chess guy. Welcome to One Move at a Time, Jeff Isaac. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate you having me on your show. No, I'm really looking forward to this discussion. And before we get into the, the nuts and bolts of development, you know, talk a little bit about what chess has meant to you in your life. Oh, wow. Um, it's meant a lot. I remember the day I was introduced uh, to chess. I remember the moment, actually. I was, I was five years old. Uh, and I remember the day because I had just been discharged from the hospital. Um, I, I came home and my sister, Mary, who's uh, about a year and a half older than me, she had read the directions to a chess set that my parents had just bought. And she, I wouldn't say she taught me how to play, but she taught me the, how the pieces move. So um, I, I was hooked from that point on. I, I continued to play. Uh, my, my brother and sister eventually, I think, lost interest. But I, I would play anyone that I could find that would, that would play me. And later on in, in high school, I attended, actually, I, I attended a boarding school where they would shut the lights off at 10 o'clock at night. And I remember um, playing my roommate and other guys from down the hall by flashlight or, or in the hallway where, wherever there was a, a light source. Um, at, at, at one point, my, my roommate and still my, my best friend, uh, Marlon, uh, he, he came across, he, he found a Fidelity chess challenger. And he got it, I think, without any instructions. But this was like 1981. And uh, chess computers were still pretty primitive. I, I mean, this thing, as I remember, on its highest levels, this, this thing would take an hour or longer to make a decision. So when we first got it, we would start a game maybe on a Sunday morning. We would, we, we, we'd start the game, and, and then after every move, we'd go back to studying or 
if it was during the week, we'd go to class and come back and see if it had, it, if it had made a move or not. Um, and at, during the evening, you know, we would, uh, we'd be playing and then we'd get the announcement over the intercom, uh, lights out in 10 minutes. And we'd be like, oh boy, lights out. And then it hit us, you know, lights out in 10 minutes, meaning the, the electricity is going to be cut. And, and I don't know how many games we lost where we had already invested like 12 hours into the game, uh, an all day game, because, you know, it would take so long to, to make a decision. Um, so, uh, I have very, very fond memories of, of that. Uh, in my in my early 20s, I discovered and joined uh, the United States Chess Federation and subscribed to Chess Life. And every month that the the issue would arrive, it was it was like Christmas. Uh, chess Life was my only connection to the chess community. So so chess not only meant a lot to me, but but U.S. chess meant a lot to me. Uh, I, I remember telling a close relative that I I just wish there was a way to make a living in chess because uh, I wasn't going to make it as a obviously as a as a player uh, and few do so I that was not an option but I just you know was wondering is there a way that you can actually have a job and 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 work within the chess community and so I'm 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 here to tell you that dreams do come true because I I get up every morning and I I get to work for U.S. Chess and I feel just exceedingly blessed and and grateful for that. Yeah, no, I I understand that a lot of us who work at US Chess definitely feel the same way and you know, no we're never going to make our mark as a player. So, you know, being able to make our mark in this different way is 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 definitely uh, uh, a a dream come true for a lot of us. Now, many many kids when they're little and thinking about when they grow up want to be a firefighter or a police officer. When did little Jeffrey Isaac tell his parents I want to be a development director? Yeah, no, you know, it's funny, because development is one of those professions where um, everyone that's in in the business, if you talk to them, they they somehow stumbled, stumbled into it. And uh, it's not something that you necessarily go to school for. Now you now you can now there's actually but that's that's kind of a that's a recent phenomenon is that these, these uh, uh, courses, and uh, you may even be able to major in like nonprofits or something in in college, but um, certainly not when I was in college, and it's not something I would have looked at because it just, uh, you know, I I was a I was a history major in in college. I was a, an art major for a while, um, so it's not something that you do plan on going into. Uh, and and my uh, my entree into development was actually I mentioned earlier that I, I attended a boarding school in in uh, in Pennsylvania for high school and. I think in boarding school, you uh, you have so many shared experiences. Uh, you know, you, you live in a dormitory, and and it's a very different experience uh, than 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 a day school. And so, you you form very very deep friendships. And and you know, my my high school years were just some of the absolute best. And and the, some of the, my fondest memories are are uh, attending high school. And so, uh, I've been involved. And even though it's 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 in Pennsylvania and I live in Michigan. Uh, but I've all, you know, a few years ago I lived in Colorado, but every, almost every year I would try to make it back to alumni weekend, uh, in Pennsylvania. Um, I, I have a tremendous affection for the school that I attended. So I think they took note of that. And I was approached, uh, by, uh, the school, uh, would you like to be on our development committee? And I said, absolutely. You know, any way that I can help, I I would love to do that. And it was 
it was my exposure on the development committee at the at the school that I, I used to attend that I thought, bam, you know what? I I really like this. I, I like developing relationships with people. And I like working on these very big plans, you know, these ideas that are, you know, bigger than ourselves, you know, these, these five, 10, 15 years down the road, this is what we, this is what we want to have. This is what we want to see. So um, I just really, I, I found out that I just really, really liked it. And I, I stayed with it. And so after um, a, a couple of jobs in, in the industry, you've made your way to U.S. Chess, where you are building the development department from the ground up over the last two years. Uh, talk about you know, what exactly is the U.S. Chess development department, how committees are related to it, et cetera. Well, you know, prior to, to my being hired in, in 2018, U.S. Chess didn't have a, a department that was solely dedicated to raising money for U.S. Chess programs. And events. So the charge that the development department has been given is to find the funding and revenue streams needed to carry out the executive director and executive board's vision for U.S. chess. I, I work closely with our executive director, Carol Meyer, as well as our development committee, which is made up of a wonderful group of individuals who are committed to advancing our mission. Uh, but I also work, I work with Dan, I work with your department. I, I work with the events department sometimes and, and every other department within U.S. Chess. So I, I, would, I would say that raising money for U.S. Chess is, is very much a, a team effort. What have some of the challenges been of coming into a situation where no development program existed or what was there was just ad hoc? <sighs> yeah. Well, there, there are, but there, I mean, there are challenges, but I, I think that we address them really quickly. Um, when I first came on board, uh, you know, Carol and I quickly decided that we would need um, a, a, a number of, of uh, you know, software products and ways to manage, just manage our, our database of members. I mean, we have a, a huge, uh, by any, you know, by, by any metric, we have, we have a very, very large uh, constituency. And, Getting a handle on that has 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 been uh, that's been a challenge. Uh, you know, when you have ninety five thousand members, roughly, uh, it's it's impossible to uh, you know where do you start in terms of you know uh, building relationships and, and contacting and, and so on. So um, I would say that was that was probably primarily the biggest uh, challenge was we didn't have processes or um, protocols in place to to handle a, a, a database a membership that that large and um, it was addressed quickly and I think that uh, we do a, I think a very good job of, of of reaching out it has to be piecemeal because it's such a large number and uh, uh, you know my job has has been made easy in that. Once, once uh, a connection is made, the the supporters of U.S. Chess are just incredibly giving. They're incredibly generous, and we found that you know it, it's almost as if our supporters were just waiting for uh, a development department. They were waiting to be contacted uh, because they've they've just been that that surpassed. My wildest expectations uh, was was how how ready and how willing 
and how generous our, our chess community is. And speak a, a bit about what is done with donated funds. Are they, are, are they ever used for payroll or are they used in some other manner? Right. Yeah. No, that's, that's something we should dispel as quickly as possible. Um, I think that what a lot of people don't uh, necessarily understand is that um, fees for membership, uh, U.S. Chess, chess membership fees only cover our operational costs. And those things that you mentioned are operational costs. So we never, ever dip into uh, donated funds uh, to, to, to pay those expenses. When somebody makes a donation to U.S. Chess, whether it is, particularly if it's for a very specific program, that is earmarked for that program and it will not be used for anything else. If, if uh, they make a, a donation to the general fund, it, is where, it will be used where it is most needed. But that does not ever mean for payroll or to you know, repair uh, the, you know, the, the building where our headquarters. So a donor never has to worry, you know, how, how, how are my philanthropic dollars being used? And you, you mentioned that people can earmark funds. What, what are some of the various programmatic areas that people can donate to specifically? Yeah, I wish I had the exhaustive list in front of me because it's it's you know some of some of the programs are not even uh, you have to dig a little bit on our website to to, to find them. But but uh, certainly uh, you know our uh, the the uh, uh, the invitationals uh, uh, women and girls in chess is is very popular uh, and doing very well. Uh, you can give to you can give to seniors. You can give to at-risk youth. You can give to the Olympiad Fund. Um, but then there's some more obscure ones. You know, we've got like correspondence chess or military chess. And um, while they have not always, you know, uh, necessarily attracted a lot of donors, they are very, very important to the people that benefit from them. So uh, they're all very, very important funds and programs. Uh, some do much, much better than others, but uh, they're, they're all, I think, doing very well. And something that's always uh, confused me, why is it called development and not fundraising? <laughs> that's, that's so people don't get scared off when I call on them. Uh, <laughs> actually, no, actually, that, that's a very good question. Um, Fundraising, fundraising is a function of development. Fundraising becomes development when an organization includes it in its strategic planning, uh, when, it, when it gets a seat at that table. In, in higher education, development is often referred to as advancement. As the name suggests, we want to develop and grow the organization, expand the programming, maybe endow this or that event. And development is part of the strategic plan for how we're going to do that. It's, it's how we're going to get there. So I would characterize it as development is, is it's the marriage of raising money and strategically planning for the future. That's, that's an excellent answer. And, and it leads to uh, another question is, what, what is that future? Where do we want U.S. chess to be in 5, 10, 20 years? Wow. Um, I, I think, as I mentioned earlier, that you know, uh, 
what people don't understand sometimes is that is that U.S. chess membership fees cover our operational costs, and so we rely on philanthropic dollars to fund U.S. chess programs. And and the more these programs grow, the more that we're going to rely on supporters. I I look forward to a day when all of our programs are fully funded, and we can make the game of chess available to everyone that wants to play. Uh, you know, one one way to do that is through endowments. I would love to see individual programs being sustained by their own endowment. Uh, this is obviously something that is, is going to take time and commitment. But the good news is that, that we're off, I feel, to a very, very good start. That's because um, our base of support continues to grow. Uh, while it's always exciting when U.S. Chess receives a large gift, it is just as exciting when donations increase as a result of a growing broad base of support. Um, relying, relying on the many uh, donors rather than you know, a handful of donors, uh, it makes for a, a, a much more stable fundraising program overall. And again, this this takes time, but we're we're seeing our base of support grow at a very encouraging rate. I would I would someday like to see our base of support equal our adult membership. I know that's very optimistic, but I would certainly like to see it creep up to uh, to be a large percentage of our adult membership. I would like to get everyone involved in in giving back in some way to to U.S. Chess. But I think that. We're kind of at the early stages of, of growth right now, and, and we have, and I think anyone working at U.S. Chess has felt those growing pains, and it's a, it's a good problem to have. Um, but uh, right now, we're, we're at the beginning. I am very, very optimistic about uh, where development is going to go uh, for U.S. Chess in the future. Um, as I said, I, I would just love to see a time when all of our programs are fully funded, and I would love to see endowments uh, become more and more, uh, more and more used. You know, we have a general endowment that people can give to. We have a number of events that um, that are are being looked at for for endowments. So, it's I have a very very optimistic idea of 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 U.S. chess and and its future. And one to that point, a place where people can kind of see where uh, the success we've been having broken down in black and white is our 2020 annual report that's available on our website uh, as a PDF. And in that, we do have a donation section that's that kind of shows the success we've had because this donation section has grown every year since we started including it back in 2017. Yeah, it's... It's uh, it has grown, and and even from last year, it is. I think we we probably doubled the the number of people that are that are in the annual report. But not everyone that gives is in the annual report. And, and one of the things that I'm very proud of uh, is that uh, most of our gifts are gifts under fifty dollars, and and that is that is great news for any organization that you've got that kind of grassroots support that you've got a lot of people, you know, giving. And, and not just a handful of people that are giving. So uh, every time we have, have uh, sent out an appeal, whether it's at the end of the year or in the middle of the year, we have had tremendous um, uh, turnout. And people have really, really stepped up uh, when we've needed them to. 
So it's it's just very very encouraging. So describe some of these appeals. Uh, what what times a year do you do you send these out? Uh, just just in case people uh, have have missed them and want to be on the lookout for them. Right. Uh, in the in the fall, uh, late fall, usually uh, early, uh, late November, early December, we have a year end appeal, and that's really our biggest appeal, and we send it uh, out to uh, the most people. And again, just it's it's cost prohibitive just to send out a mailing to you know ninety five thousand people. So we have to kind of uh, it, it's kind of rolling in that we you know we'll 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 send them to uh, a group of people one year, and then the next year we. We'll send them to the next. Uh, but that that's our biggest appeal of the year is our year-end appeal. And what's interesting is that at the very same time that we're doing the year-end appeal, there is a national organization called Giving Tuesday that uh, they promote a day of giving to nonprofits in the United States. And and anyone is, is uh, able to give to whatever nonprofit they feel strongly about. And we're one of those nonprofits. So uh, in the first week of December, usually Giving Tuesday, we send out an e-blast and uh, people respond to it. And people have responded very, very well to that. Well, this last year, um, we, we didn't even anticipate it, but uh, Giving Tuesday notified us to say that there's going to be an additional Giving Tuesday in May uh, to kind of combat the damage that COVID-19 has done to a number of nonprofits. So on very little notice, we put together an e-blast and we sent it out. And again, we were not disappointed by the, 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 the commitment that our supporters have for U.S. Chess. And um, it was a, a very, very uh, successful Giving Tuesday. You know, these are people that had already given to one Giving Tuesday and they were asked to do it again. And and they did, so uh, we have we have that appeal. We we sometimes will send out a planned giving appeal, like maybe a postcard that that we'll talk about doing an IRA uh, um, uh, rollover and 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 possibly making it possible for for donors to consider. Uh, that's one way that that people can um, start thinking about planned giving is by incorporating their their IRAs. So uh, that covers, I think that covers certainly uh, most, of our, most of our appeals. And then I communicate individually with people uh, throughout the year. Uh, one, of the, one of the challenges, I would say, with the job is that, I mean, I, I, I kind of cut my teeth uh, in development in healthcare and in higher education. And they're both very, very different animals in terms of raising money. Healthcare you rely on a, on a large gift, you rely on the positive experience of a, of a patient. And, and uh, let's face it, uh, going to the hospital is usually never something anyone wants to do. So a gift is very circumstantial. The good thing about healthcare is that it's usually local. So you can develop a relationship very quickly with somebody because you can visit them often. Now, higher education, you have people that are absolutely gangbusters for their alma mater. Uh, you know, the, the, the two biggest recipients of charitable uh, donations is uh, the, someone's church or their alma mater. Uh, so there's usually a, maybe a third charity or nonprofit that they're, they give to, like maybe it's, it's to the Humane Society or to Feed the Children. 
But at U.S. Chess, I always like to encourage donors or prospects to consider making U.S. Chess one of their top three uh, uh, nonprofits that they that they give to. So higher education is much more similar to the way money is raised at U.S. Chess in that it, higher education, the, the alumni is is spread out all over the country, as is our membership. So it's hard to sometimes uh, nurture or, or cultivate a, a relationship with somebody when the distances are so great and you maybe can see them once a year or every other year. So that that's a challenge. So personal correspondence is very, very important for my part of the job. And uh, we just try to keep people uh, up to date uh, on the organization and, and thank them as much as we possibly can for for giving to us. But at this point, some people are probably chomping at the bit wanting to donate to us. So, so explain that, how they can do it and the various avenues they have to uh, donate. Okay, yeah. Well, you know, the short answer to how can people give would be simply providing our contact information, um, which, which we can do. But the, the more involved answer would be to give some examples of the, the many, many different ways that one can make a donation. And that could be obviously with a check or credit card, but a gift could also be made through uh, a planned gift. Uh, that, that could be a gift of stock, real estate, um, as I mentioned earlier, an IRA, or even through life insurance. If someone in, in this audience is interested in receiving information about the many different ways to make a gift to U.S. Chess, feel free to email us at development at uschess.org and request our planned giving guide. If you'd like to make a gift right now or in the near future, please go to our website at uschess.org. Click on the donate button and you can donate to any number of specific U.S. Chess programs that you care about. Or you can donate to our general fund, in which case uh, those funds will be used where it's most needed. We want them to make sure that they're actually donating to U.S. Chess. Can you speak a little bit about that? Uh, yeah. That's, if, if, if someone wants to make a, a gift to U.S. Chess to, su- to support the organization in general or a specific program or event in particular, just make sure that the gift is made to U.S. Chess. Now, that, I know that that may sound obvious to some, but, but there could be some confusion between U.S. Chess as an organization and, say, uh, the U.S. Chess Trust, for instance, which is a separate organization, an entity with a separate mission. The confusion is very understandable because the U.S. Chess Trust used to be the charitable arm of U.S. Chess. But in the 1990s, trustees of the U.S. Chess Trust voted to separate from U.S. Chess, and, and now it operates as an independent organization. So for those interested in donating to U.S. Chess. Gifts made specifically to U.S. Chess are the only funds that are guaranteed to be used for U.S. Chess programs. So let's take a step back uh, from the whole donation uh, discussion. And I'm curious, as as you've become a U.S. Chess insider over the last couple of years and become more deeply involved with the chess world, what has surprised or impressed you the most? Wow. Um, I, I would say probably the, the passion and, and devotion to the game that people have. Um, I, I was very impressed by how the chess community has pulled together and continues to pull together uh, during, for instance, this, this health crisis. Uh, the, the support that's been demonstrated has been extraordinary. 
I'd say in that sense, that what that's what impressed me the most. I think that when I first came on, uh, we kind of, you know, we put some feelers out there and the response was just so positive that it, 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 it doesn't necessarily, it impresses me, but not, it doesn't necessarily surprise me because as somebody that loves chess, I, I get it. I understand that, you know, the, the, there's tremendous passion for the game. Um, but people are, you know, they, they don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. I mean, these, these are our donors, our supporters um, have, have been very, very good at, at responding to, and this has been a, you know, this has been a crazy year for, for any nonprofit. But for, for an organization that relies on uh, very large events in some very large venues, and for that to change on a dime, I mean, nobody anticipated how quickly uh, that, had to, that had to change and how a plan B had to be, to be made very quickly. I feel like we've got some incredibly understanding and empathetic people out there and and there's been a hunger out there to to continue to play and u.s chess i believe has stepped up in that we've done absolutely everything we we can to accommodate uh the player that wants to play and it's just been a very very good symbiotic relationship uh you know we we've we're working very hard to accommodate them and they they have responded in kind by supporting u.s chess so uh, it, it's been, you know, it's been a, a remarkable year on many, many, uh, in many, many ways. But it, it really, it, you know, I, I would say that our donors, they don't support us in spite of the kind of year we're having. They, they support us because of the kind of year that we're having. They, they understand the need and they've been there for us. So um, it's been a very telling year and, it, and it's been a very good year in that respect. Yeah, no, very well said. Um, so it, is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd, you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, just, I don't think that you can ever, you know, thank donors enough. I, I, I just want to say, I want to say thank you to everyone that, that supports U.S. Chess, the, the parents who encourage their kids to play and participate in, in over-the-board play and online tournaments. Thank you to our senior players who stayed faithfully committed to us chess over the years and who they bring so much history and knowledge and just you know lore to the game uh one of the great benefits of my job is when i'm on the road and i get to visit with people and some of our senior players uh i i love sitting down and hearing the stories they have to tell about you know Maybe one will say, oh, I, you know, I got to play George Koltanowski uh, once or I, you know, was witness to a very high profile tournament and and uh, was right there in the, you know, in the crowd to, to see two, uh, you know, giants battle it out. They, they just have uh, they bring so much. They're such an important part of the chess community. And it's also interesting to me that that some of these players, you know, they've they've been playing for for 30, 40, 50 years. And. There's only like, uh, you know, one or two degrees of separation. Everybody, the senior community in chess, they all know each other. They all remember each other. And, and it's just, uh, I, they're, they're just such a great part of our community, and I, I appreciate them so much. Um, I, I want to thank our donors who have been so dedicated and generous. generous. All, of, all of the wonderful opportunities to play either over the board or online 
have been made possible because of the gener- generosity of our donors. And, and though we receive some larger donations, like I said earlier, the vast majority of our do- donations are $50 or less. And that makes us very, very happy. That's, that's what we want to do is to get everybody involved. Um, I, would, I would close out just by saying that if anyone has questions, they can go to our website and, and click on Give and check out our FAQ on the drop-down menu. Or feel free to email us at development at uschess.org. If there's a U.S. chess program or event that has impacted your life or your child's life and you'd like to see it continue and touch the lives of others, I would encourage you to visit our website, uschess.org, and make a tax-deductible donation. Well, Jeff, as we enter this giving season, it's I, I enjoyed having this discussion with you, and thank you for joining us on the October edition of One Move at a Time. Thanks so much, Dan. I've enjoyed it. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this edition of One Move at a Time, which always drops on the second Tuesday of each month. Our theme music was composed by National Master Alex King of Memphis, Tennessee. Our podcasts are produced and edited by Jason Andre at Seven Season Films Photography and Media. Please visit www.sevenseasonfilms.com to find out how to start your own podcast. Our sister podcasts at U.S. Chess are Cover Stories with Chess Life on the first Tuesday of each month, Ladies Night, hosted by Women's Program Director Jennifer Shahadi on the third Tuesday of each month, and on the fourth Tuesday, Chess Underground, hosted by our Assistant National Events Director, Pete Karianis. I hope that you've learned something of value that you can now use to help build chess in your own community. We'll be back next month with another Chess World personality who is helping us advance our mission statement to empower people, enrich lives, and enhance communities through chess.